the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, back again with another episode of Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church. Uh, Once again, uh, I just wanted to continue our the conversation that um, I had uh, Brad Peglo, uh, who was in from Arizona, and he was talking about waiting. And uh, I, I just wanted him to share and lay that groundwork. But this week, as I was I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the different times that we have to wait. And and the favorite scripture on waiting is, is that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. But when you're going through a waiting process, uh, you don't feel like you can run. You know, you just, you're, you're questioning. You know, uh, I remember, uh, I'm going to share a couple instances. One, I'm sure the, the single people uh, can identify with, and even married people, is, you know, waiting on your spouse. And I remember uh, I was 27 years old and I, and I, you know, I just got this word from the Lord that, you know, you know, get ready. It's time. So I was like, you know, I was a bachelor, had three stacks of clothes on the floor, 30 can be worn again and clean. Right. Didn't have, didn't have a dresser. The one going to pay for one, didn't want to move on. I had to move. Uh, but then I, you know, I went and got all neat, started hanging stuff up and, and getting all organized and washing my dishes right after I ate and, and <laughs> making sure that I didn't leave nothing behind, and, you know, because I'm preparing myself, right? I'm I'm shedding these bachelor ways uh, to 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 get ready, you know, to welcome, you know, my queen. And uh, like I said, I was 27. I didn't get married till I was almost 34. You know what I mean? So it was like. What I thought was going to be just a couple months wait, you know what I mean? No more than a year, right? It turned out to be a six-year wait, you know. And then in the early stages of that wait, you know, I meet somebody, and then I wonder if this is the one, you know. And then you start thinking all these different scenarios in your head and everything like that. And then after a while, I just say, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I say, God, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to hit me upside the head and pull me by my little short hair and say that one, go get it. I'm not out here trying to date and, and do all that stuff. And it was just like, and now I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? I, so I just went to serving the Lord like a madman, you know, I just, you know, just preaching and serving and, 
and going around doing different things and traveling around the country. And, uh, and, and it, 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 it was, it didn't curb the desire, but it made the weight tolerable because I ran and I didn't grow weary. You know what I mean? I, I ran, I ran with it. You know what I mean? I, I ran with it. You know what I mean? And it wasn't to, to hide from the loneliness, you know, because I mean, I easily could have spent time with people, but I didn't think it would be fair for me to spend time with a person, you know, i.e. like date when I had no intentions of stop doing what I was doing. I loved, I love serving. I love preaching. I love, you know, going out and, and, uh, and, and ministering in jails, everywhere, you know, uh, man, and, and I, I just felt it would be pretty selfish of me to, to get married during that time. And, and then when I did get married, I shut it down. Right. Cause you know, the scripture is talking about, you know, the first year of marriage, you was your spouse. So I shut everything down and man, I shut it down for that year and boy, was it killing me. You know, I was twitching. My wife would be like, oh, you can go do something here, go do there. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I just do my bare minimum. You know, I had to do it work and come home and, and uh, be there. And then when the year was up, she looked at me. She said, well, the year is up. I guess you'll be back to run, running around again. Huh? I said, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I stretched it out two more months. You know what I mean? I didn't want, to, I didn't want her to think that I was going to just blow on her. And then after the two months, she was assured that she, what what her place was in my heart. Then I went back out there and I started ministering, but only did it locally. I didn't jump on planes or anything like that. I just I just ministered locally, you know. And and when you that waiting process before, you know, you know, getting married, God did some work in me. You know, He brought uh, people in my path, you know, that that helped me to understand what it really meant to treat a woman because I come from a background of divorce. I come from a background of, uh, you know, beat them. They step out of line, knock them out, you know. Uh, and so that's what I saw, you know what I mean? And that's how my family was. And, and it was like, it was like to understand how to treat a person with care and respect and not let your temper get to that point, you know, where you where you would strike them or something like that. Uh, it it took some refining in me. So that waiting period was a time just like the eagle when the eagle gets his feathers plucked and comes back with a new coat. It was that's what it was for me. It it was a learning process. You know, I I I hung out with with married men and watched their families and how they treated their wives, and they would tell me different things, and I would ask questions and because I really wanted to have a, a Christian home. I wanted to be in a relationship that, that would honor Christ. I, and I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And, you know, I need to see how that love is carried out because I had no example. And my wife too, she came from a background, you know, divorce background and not understanding, you know, the long haul, the longevity, you know, so I think both our parents lasted eight years or something like that, you know, and, um, you know, and it's like, so you, 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 you have these things you got to work through and, uh, and, and God just refined us, you know what I mean? And, and I'm, I'm super thankful, you know, that I did, I did wait, that I did wait for, for him. You know, there was times that I wanted to take the shortcut, 
and uh, you know, just say, "Hey, skip this. I'm gonna do this myself." You know, and but I, I saw what happened to some of those around me <laughs> who said, "I'd rather marry than burn," and not then they end up burning twice. So I said, "I'd rather burn once and then to burn twice." You know, to get to that point. Another thing we're waiting on sometimes, especially as Christians, we wait on, we wait on uh, our turn in ministry, right? We wait on our turn in ministry. We look at it and we go like, wow, you know, you know, I, you know, I can sing better than so-and-so. I can preach better than so-and-so. Why isn't it my turn? You know, why, why am I not, why am I not in that position? What, you know, where am I going? And then we look at it upon that and we wonder why, does God have me in a holding pattern? You know, why am I, why am I being held? I, I think of, of, of back in the time of, of Elijah when, you know, God had to remind him that he had uh, a whole bunch of prophets that hadn't bowed their knee yet, you know, and he had them hit, you know, and, but Elijah was getting all the press and these guys were hit, you know what I mean? And sometimes it doesn't feel good to be part of God's backup plan. When you're part of God's backup plan, you know, you feel like you've been left out. You've been abandoned. But uh, one of my mentors told me this. He said, God can do more with you in two years of obedience than with 40 years of brown nosing. He said, you pick the right church, the right group, go to the right schools. You know, you can always elevate yourself in the church and in the world. He said, but it's not God elevating you you know they said but but if you stay obedient to him he'll do more in just a short period of time than what you can do in 40 years of brown nose and i always remembered that you know i mean even when opportunities came for me to quote unquote take a jump up leave where i'm at you know people used to always say what does it take to get that guy off that corner he would not leave that corner you know what i mean and it's not about whether i leave the corner or not is whether I'm supposed to lead a corner. And, you know, I, you know, I've, I've argued with God in my thirties. I argue with him that I, I need to be doing such and such. And, you know, I have the, the qualifications to do this and that. And why you have me on this, at this small church in North Minneapolis, you know, when I need to be going to the world. And, uh, and then finally that argument got settled one day when I was, I saw this guy on my church steps and uh, he, he, he was looking to see if there was a service. And I said, no, we have Bible study on Wednesday. And it was a, it was a Thursday night. And uh, we got to talking and then uh, he was just telling me how great my church was. And I was like, well, are you sure you're looking at the same church? This mug is raggedy. You know, it's like roof leaking, you know, and they like, and he's praising it, and I'm looking like what? And then, then he he just told me something. He said, he said, if you stay obedient to God, He will bring the world to you. You know what I mean? And 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 then when I another friend of mine just came and he just confirmed that when he said, "Man, Joe, you 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 know you've been you visited presidents, you you know you." in the nations, you've been with kings. He said, you've done all that and you don't even have, you know, the 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 the, the finances or the, or, the, or the quote unquote pedigree to 
do that. Say, God has brought the world to you. And and I and I had to sit there and think about it, and it was so true. You know what I mean? You know, you know, and, and the Lord had told me way back before I had a family, he said, Your children, he said, Your children will bring you before great people, right? And and when the president, uh, when the White House called my house asking for permission to visit with my 12-year-old son, right, 12 years old, they called my house and asked for permission. And George Bush flew in and had him out there. And, uh, you know, then he said, he said, Donald, daddy needs to be with him because I'm supposed to be in the stand. And so I, we was out there, go through everything. He got to do you do US one thing and and take pictures with Secret Service and you know the whole nine yards. And uh, and so we're out there. Next day, our pictures on the front cover of the Star Tribune. <laughs> yeah, man, everybody in our neighborhood wanted to lynch us because <laughs> North Minneapolis is. I think my son was the only Republican in North Minneapolis, so it was like. <laughs> Hell, I caught flack for that one. How you let your son do that? And I said, man, my son wants to imitate the most powerful man in the world. I have no problem with it. At least he ain't imitating rappers and football players and basketball players. I said, you know, the only pictures on my son's wall was George and Laura Bush. That's the only thing that was on his wall. <laughs> I don't know where that kid came from, but that that's just what it was there. But, you know, then my, my you know, I got to speak at Wheaton because of uh, – my oldest son, I spoke at my alma mater because of the strong faith of my daughter. They said, if your faith is like this, we want to meet your dad. And uh, and then, you know, I went down and got to speak there. And uh, and, and they, they, through their accomplishments, you know, have brought me with them, you know, and brought me with them. And uh, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that because, you know, I waited, man. I, you know, I had my first child. I was almost thirty-five years old, and I had the 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 last one at uh, forty-one. And uh, so, you know, at fifty-nine, you know, he turns eighteen and he goes out on his own. And I, and so I'm like, you know, I waited for these children to come, and and that wait process was 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 just as frustrating as waiting, you know, for the spouse thing, you know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure some families can identify with that, that that what happens when you're you're waiting on children, you want to have children, and you, you get there because, you know, we had we had miscarriages, you know, I mean, plural. It got to the point we knew when they sent us to that little room that we was going to get that phone call. And uh, we just, you know, because we had been in that room three times. And, uh you know, but we kept pressing on, asking the Lord, do we keep trying? Do we keep going? And I uh, and I'm thankful for that. You know, but we didn't stop there. Oh no, we had to go out and adopt five children and bring them in. So now my wife tells me I can't bring no more kids home. So I'm retired now. I only could do grandchildren. <laughs> so I went and picked up about seven of my grandchildren and brought them up for the whole summer. You know, so I could get there and get it going. Waiting, waiting is a, is a, is a trying process, you know. Uh, when we go after the break, I I want to talk about some of the things that we can do while waiting, you know, that will help us come out of it even stronger than we went into it. 
You don't want to go through a time of waiting and not be prepared. Right. important business. To quote Dr. J. Vernon McGee, our business is to get the Word of God out so that he will have something to work with in the hearts of men and women of every language. This is Steve Schwetz for Through the Bible Radio, inviting you to join us for Dr. McGee's studies through the Word of God. And you'll learn about our ministry around the world in over a hundred languages and dialects. Listen to Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee, weekday mornings at 6 on AM 980, The Mission. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Mother played that all the time. Oh my gosh. Gonna wait till the midnight hour. Everybody doing the jerk. The cool jerk. (laughs) The cool jerk? Yeah, you had to jerk. The Watusi or what? Yeah, you had had to jerk and then you had the cool jerk. You know what I mean? (laughs) You had to be slow with it. You had, be, you had to be slow with the cool jerk. I heard about another one recently, the Shang Shang. Oh, which, the Shang Shang, which yeah. I'd never, which I'd never heard of. Oh, I like the name, though. Yeah, the name, man. Shang Shang. You know, I got I, the song. I was telling um, I was telling somebody the other day, he was talking about how kids today, you know, get so into electronics that they don't really do anything. I said, you know, our 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 method of having fun with electronics was to put a stack of 45s on the record player and just dance. Yep. And we would just dance. I mean, my mom, my dad, my dad couldn't dance. He tried. He tried. You know, and, and you know, we, and we would just laugh and joke. And that was family fun to, 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 to sit there and try to do the latest dance and, and do something like that. And then the teenagers, you know, they would, they would, you know, had a little thing. And as a little kid, I'd be looking at my cousin and them dancing and, they trying to get in there, and we used to have these little dance halls every time we had a family gather, and and that was that was you know dancing. Besides playing outside, you know dr- jumping rope and everything like that. I mean, when we came in, the, our electronics was was the record player, the record player, the Victrola. We had with a forty five with the forty fives on to get the stack of forty five <laughs> and put it on there and and, uh, and and get to going and or put that penny on that needle when it got wore out, something like that, you know. But you know back back in waiting. You know, there's a saying that I grew up with, and, and you've heard me say it on the show before, that proper preparation prevents poor performance. That's the saying I grew up with, is proper preparation prevents poor performance. While you're waiting, and you know what you're waiting for, it is it, it, you can prepare yourself. You can prepare yourself, you know what I mean? And if, if you're prepared, you won't perform poorly, you know what I mean? And uh, and, and so... Certain people will hear that and know where it came from, 
it came from a, a, a gang leader, Larry Hoover, who always stressed to us to be properly prepared, whether it's a fight, whether it's a burglary, whether it's a robbery, you know, be properly prepared. You know what I mean? Have a plan. And uh, and so, you know, but it, it, when you're doing your waiting period, you know, say you're waiting for a spouse, like what I, you know, like what I did, I, I just found out, you know, I tried to find out because I didn't have that example like my kids do of, of you know, two Christian people loving each other and uh, honoring God. You know, I didn't have that. You know what I mean? You know, I was, I was raised in nightclubs. Like I said, you know, that song there, I heard that song all the time. <laughs> I heard that song all the time, drinking my lime juice. And, and you know, my, my parents encouraged me to dance. I used to dance in talent shows, adult talent shows. I would dance, you know, and and that, and that was a thing we did then, you know, and, and me and my cousin Dream, because Michael Jackson was considered the hottest dancer in the Chicago area, right? And uh, man, oh, we wanted to go up against him so bad. Oh, we wanted to go up against him. But his dad wouldn't let him get in individual competitions once he got kind of hot, you know, and uh, so, but I mean, you'd had these big competitions on stage and people pay 50 cents to get in and hundreds of people there. And, uh, you know, we had a, a, a band called the JTs, the Junior Temptations, and I used to sing all those songs. And, and, and that's what they immersed me in, you know what I mean? But what was they preparing me for? They were preparing me for a nightclub life. That's what they were preparing me for, you know what I mean? You know, during that period of, of me waiting to become a man, yeah, instead of them preparing me with the Word of God, I got prepared that way. And so, you know, what what I recommend to people is that you prepare yourself and part of that preparation is to find someone who's already where you want to go find someone who is already where you want to go right and latch on to them you know what i mean latch on to them until they run you away you know just they, they run you away you know you want to become an accountant you know what i mean it's like i tell my kids you want to become an accountant you know then you better go start hanging out with accountants you better know what accountants do you better understand the fine nuances of what's what's there, you know, how to carry yourself and what to do. You you, you start preparing yourself, right? You know, you ain't reading fiction. You ain't watching, com- reading comic books. You're preparing yourself. You're, you're preparing yourself. You know, it's one of the things that I knew one day I would eventually pastor. And I really didn't want to pastor in American church because most American churches don't have pastors. They have preachers. You know what I mean? But I knew what a pastor did. A pastor knows his flock and he nurtures his flock, right? And 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 I know my flock. Yeah, my door is always open. And they know they can come knock on my door. Even people who are not in my church had a nerve to come over there and sit down and want, want to talk and get invited. But they, they're fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't turn them away. You know what I mean? But the, the issue is, is that during those times when I was doing youth evangelism, right, I made sure I pastored those youth because I, I was preparing myself for when I did make that transition that I had to deal with adults because I'd rather deal with youth than adults. You know what I mean? But I had to prepare myself to get ready for that, for some of the things that were there, some of the scenarios that I run into that made me even have to rethink how I look at doctrine and scripture because some of the things people get themselves into. You know, so you prepare yourself. You latch on to somebody, whether you call it mentor, whether you call it coach, whether you call it, uh, rabbi, you know, find somebody that can, that's already where you want to go. You know, the, the second thing in, in, in waiting that you have to do is understand is God is not punishing you, right? He is not, he is not keeping the ball away from you. He is not keeping the candy away. 
You know what I mean? He knows best. You trust his timing. Trust his timing. I don't care if you're 70 years old. Trust his timing. Yo, my buddy got married at 58, 59. Still a virgin. Got married. You know, cute little young girl. For him, young. You know, 38. Young. You know what I mean? But uh, he just kept trusting the Lord. He said, I'm going to be a eunuch. And he just pretty much had given up about five, six years ago. And then, voila, there you go. I had to make that wedding. If I ain't make no other wedding, man, in my life, I was going to make that wedding right there. You know what I mean? Because that brother waited, man. <laughs> we would sit there and wait together, you know, among. We had a little group called Bachelors to the Rapture, right? <laughs> it's, one, <laughs> it's one member left, and he ain't giving up, right? <laughs> You know, he said yeah, he ain't going out like David at 59. He said he's going to keep on going. He's 54. He's going to keep on going. But the rest of us got married off. We was bachelor's still a rapture. We just gave it up there like that. And uh, and so, you know, you got it. You got it. You got to Put yourself in a situation where you're prepared and you're growing. So when you come out of that cocoon, you'll be like that butterfly. You'll be ready to fly and you'll be beautiful and ready to go. Don't fear waiting. Embrace it. God bless you guys and see you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.